Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're talking with Coach Harvey Hyde about USC's bounce back win against Arizona State. A lot of questions keep coming in. If you have to, you want to get a hold of us, a lot of different ways. You can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. Give us a call 641-715-3900 extension 816-646. You can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. And leave a voicemail right from your device. Of course, subscribe to the Peristyle Podcast on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting apps. You go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. Please leave us some positive feedback. That would be wonderful and helps promote the site. And I want to bring in the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How are you? Everything's going well, Ryan. I want to thank you very much for... uh... Allow me to be in the huddle with you today. It's always good to be in the huddle after a win, but I'm sure we got a lot of questions and about the victory at uh, Frank Cush Field. Uh, I knew Frank Cush, Cush very well, and he's a legend there at Arizona State at Sun Devil Stadium. It's a tough place to play and a tough place to, to win at. But uh, as I said in the pre-pre-game show, it's nice to see. You know you're doing pretty well. When you look up in the third quarter, and there were 70,000 people there when you started, and there's 20,000 people there at the end. So that means things had to go pretty well for the Trojans, and they started big and they started fast. But let's get into uh, our sponsorship, and also uh, let's answer some questions. Yeah, I want to get to – we do have a lot of questions, so I want to get to all of those. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you want to get tickets to any of the upcoming USC football home games concerts, other sporting events, you want to go to the theater, stuff like that, you can go to sctickets.com, and they will help you out. And, uh, Coach, it's been uh, interesting last couple of weeks. Last week, of course, we had so many questions, it was hard to even keep track of them all. We couldn't get to we couldn't get to everything. We got to as many as we could. Not as many this week. People are a little happier. Still some kind of nitpicking, I guess, of some of the stuff that you know didn't go exactly right, but if you if you have a bad loss or a, a loss that's very disappointing, like against Stanford, I mean a bounce back thirty five nothing first half is pretty good uh, medicine for that. Ryan, it is, uh, but the story will always be the entire year. What if? What if we beat Stanford? We should have beat Stanford. There's always a what if story because you look around now and you look at the conference. You see Oregon getting beat, and you see some of these other teams. You've got Utah at home, which is looking pretty dominant with wins over Oregon and uh, Michigan. And you look back and you say, you know, if we'd have just beat Stanford, we'd have been ranked maybe five or six in the country. But that's history. you got to look forward. We've got to talk about positive things in the future. The press will always mention those type of incidents. That's part of writing an article or doing uh, media work. And uh, But you got to look forward. you got to correct uh, what you did wrong at Arizona State. You talk about the good things. But also you definitely direct the things that weren't as good or didn't live up to your expectations, uh, and you and you try to get it fixed. Uh, you heard the guy across town, Coach Jim Mora, 
who I respect a great deal. He wasn't happy at all with his victory at at uh, Arizona, two nationally ranked teams, both undefeated, yet he was very, very unhappy with his defensive performance. So you can win, but still not be satisfied. And I think that's what we're trying to direct to become the better, get better and better and better in every day and every way. Well, let's uh, jump into some of these questions, Coach. And uh, there's there's some that are happy. There's some that are kind of nitpicking a little or, you know, not satisfied. So I think we have a pretty wide range of stuff today. I'll start off with a voicemail question for you. Here you go. Coach I, this is Randall in Dallas. And how great can Juju become? I mean, this kid is tearing it up out there. Um, but the offensive line was it ASU just blitzing that cost them to not be able to run the ball, or is it on us? Thank you for what you guys do, and talk to you next week. Thanks, Wayne, for getting to us. We appreciate it very much. How good can Juju Smith-Schuster uh, be? Well, I think he'd be better than Nelson Aguilar. I think he has the potential to be better than Marcus Lee. I think he's going to be better, better than Robert Woods. And why is that? Because he's a more physical type of player. He's bigger. He's stronger. Uh, when those guys caught 100 balls, uh, they got beat up. You can see that now when they're in the NFL. They're not as physical in the NFL. They're not as fast or faster than everybody in the NFL. So they, it equalizes everything out. But not that they're not having a good career in the NFL, but you asked me about Juju. Juju is more physical. He can block. He take hits. He's more outgoing as far as the leadership. I just love him. I think he's a great player. Uh, he gets his turns, and by now spreading the ball around to other people, they got to spread the ball around more to the tight end. He'll even be better. And he's such a physical blocker on screens and running plays that it just makes him an all-around football player. And not to talk, uh, not to forget that he's quite a leader too. So that's my answer on that portion of it. And as far as the running game is concerned. Uh, you've heard me talk about the running game all along. When they blitz a lot, you're, you're not going to have a lot of holes inside in your running game because people are going to penetrate. They're going to be there when you hand the ball off. So you've got to have more of an outside type of running game. You've got to be able to get outside so when they are blitzing, you're running away from the blitzes. And you've got to put your back, your tailback or your running backs in more of an eye type of uh, situation where they can see and break back across to see where that gap might be in the stunt where there's a, a hole to run. If you're running laterally along the line of scrimmage, as USC does in a lot of situations, and I think if you look at the game this past weekend when they were in an eye type of formation with a pistol, they, they had far more success than when they were running laterally because you get a lot of penetration and you get stopped before you get started. You can't see where the hole's going to be. But, um, you know, you've got to be able to attack the blitzing team to the outside where you get away from what all the things they're doing inside. That's why the quick screens went so well. The bubble screens, uh, Stevie Mitchell and so on, because they're coming up the middle and you're throwing the ball out there and you make one block or two, and all of a sudden you got a touchdown. So I think that answers the question. Thank you very much for calling from Dallas. And, Brian, let's move on. Yeah. Um, well, you know, kind of piggybacking on that, we had a, a few people write in, Coach, about how the USC offensive line uh, performed because, it did, you know, obviously USC didn't run the ball all that well. In that game. So I'm going to read you a couple uh, comments, questions here, and then kind of get your thoughts on that. First was from Jesse in Seattle. He said, I saw a lot of great cutting and uh, tackle breaking by the wide receiver, breaking uh, by the wide receivers. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, he saw a lot of great cutting and tackle breaking 
by the running backs in order to make uh, a little bit of run yardage that USC did get. I really never saw any creases or gaping holes created by this offensive line. It seems to me that the running back athletic talent is more of the reason of our rushing yards gained so far. So that's from Jesse. And then Dennison Lancaster, uh, he said after four games played, uh, are you surprised the offensive line can't consistently run block, pick up blitzes, and they, don't con- and they have to control all those penalties? What was supposed to be a team strength just hasn't developed. Uh, he says, love the show and fight on. So a couple of questions about the offensive line, Coach. Well, I, I agree with him. Uh, first of all, you got to remember that when you uh, face certain types of defenses, you got to be prepared for those. When you, when you stun a lot and you come after people a lot, uh, there's going to be somebody always in every gap. So you got to make sure you cover that gap and you can't allow penetration. And uh, also, I just touched on for a moment as far as the position you put your players in to be successful against certain types of defenses and certain type of offensive series that you have. You've talked about me to be a great running football team. I've talked about it. you got to have series. you got to have something off of everything. Uh, I mentioned it to last week, and I'm starting to mention it more as we move along here. I think the quarterback, Cody Kessler, has got to be involved more in the running game. I think he has to carry the ball more on running situations. He carried the ball once on Saturday, got 17 yards and a first down, and he looked great doing it. He did it earlier against Stanford on a run. He looked great doing it. You've got to be able to involve him in the outside game with bootlegs, run as well as pass, and also the run uh, run read uh, option, which they have, and have him fake the ball, the back going the other way, and have him run back the other way or follow the back into the hole. Kevin Hogan does it at Stanford. I'm not talking about doing it a lot, but enough to make people respect you. You've got to have an outside running game. When's the last time that we've run or USC has run the jet sweep with a handoff? Now, I'm just talking about running the back across. You don't have to give it to him all the time, but running across where there's a potential of handing the ball off to Stevie Mitchell or Adoy Jackson. Well, that's going to hold the backside, guys. The backside aren't going to pursue because if those guys come around the corner and they've got the ball, I'd tell you a team that did it better than anybody was Oregon State. Run that type of series with them, and then all of a sudden you're holding your backside pursuit. So you've got to complete the series. You don't have any fast-hitting plays in USC's uh, offense. Not that you need them all the time, but I always felt that in a two-back situation, like an I formation, you could reverse pivot, you can give it to the fullback going straight up the middle or trapping. Remember, when you trap people that are penetrating, once you get by them, you're in the middle of the field and you're going straight to the goal line. It's a race to the goal line. So you've got to be able to hold people and force them not to want to be the guy that's on offense when you're on offense, you don't want the defense to be in control. You want to be in control. So it's same old saying. You hear me talk about it all the time. If they do this, I do that. If they do that, I do this. But you can't cover everybody. And what you want to do is create mismatches. And if they want, if they take this guy away, you go to that guy. If they take this play away, you go to that play. So I think that's part of what series are. And I really don't think that – they have a completion of a series when they don't involve everybody in the running game and make sure that they do have the plays that are necessary to hold everybody at home. The uh, Coach, you see that um, fairly often where pass protection looked pretty good. I know, you know that uh, Arizona State brings a lot of pressure. They blitz more than anyone in the Power Five conferences. And Cody Kessler, I thought, did a good job kind of escaping it sometimes. But I think for the most part, the offensive line blocked well as far as pass protection goes. 
but it looked like they weren't really blocking anybody when it came to straight straight run plays. Is that like common where you see the offensive line kind of doing one aspect of it well and one not? And is it sometimes due to the fact of what the defense is doing? No, it's not common. You should be able to do both well because you win and lose football games with your offensive line on offense. Yeah. If they're coming after you and you can pick up everybody, even if you have to maximum protect, you put mismatches on you know your great receivers in the secondary, and those guys can't cover these guys one-on-one for a long period of time. They may be able to cover them for a short period of time if you get to the quarterback, but in pass blocking, when you come after them, you better get to them. If you don't get to them, it's all over with because great athletes get open, especially with crossing routes and man defenses and the tight end wide delay blocking them run right down the middle of the field. I, I think they need to hit the middle of the field more with their tight ends, which they haven't done in two years. But, uh, no, you've got to be able to do both well. You've got to be able to run the football, and you've got to be able to pass block. Them. And I think right now uh, they need to work more on that. Uh, they need to emphasize that. They need to talk about that. I'm not talking about in the newspapers. I'm talking about talking to the kids and talking to the coaches about how do we get better? Because right now they're not blocking it when all returners come back and, and you've got uh, all five stars, almost all five stars in the offensive line, then you've got to do good. And right now I don't think they're playing. The best way to describe this, I don't think they're playing up to their potential. Either that or they're overrated. So I don't want to say they're overrated, but it's one or the other, or they're not getting coached up right. All right, let's move on. we got another voicemail question for you, Coach. Here you go. Hey, Brian, this is uh, Kyle up in uh, Bend, Oregon again. Hey, got a chance to watch the game. Great bounce back. Uh, two things for you, uh, Dan or Coach Hyde. Um, it, it seems we've got a lot of fans that are super nitpicky, but everything needs to go perfect. Um, but let me remind you, it's college football and crazy things happen. I think the guys uh, bounce back great. You know, it's a win on the road in a hostile environment. We'll take it. And then secondly, I'm noticing a lot of our wide receivers blocking, and damn, they're blocking well. Uh, they've won that sprung. Uh, I think Stephen Mitchell on the outside was Jalen Green blocking. Just awesome to see. I uh, just want to kind of get your thoughts if you guys are seeing the same thing. But it's great to see our receivers out there just, uh, you know, throwing down blocks where guys can get out and do their thing. But anyways, uh, looking forward to uh, our next game in Washington. You guys do a great job. Really uh, enjoy listening to the show up here in Oregon, and uh, fight on. Well, thank you very much. I agree with you. I think they're making a real effort in blocking, not only on the running plays, but how about the passing plays? When one of their guys catch the football, you saw Stevie Mitchell running right down the field, stride with stride with Adoy Jackson. To, uh, it was great to see two guys run that fast, wasn't it? Sort of a, a point guy, and then at the very end, he didn't need to throw a block. Adoy ran in and scored on that nice swing pass down the sideline or somewhere and out and up uh, down the sideline. He turned it into an up, isolated out there from the uh, two-back situation when they put him at halfback there. It was just beautiful to see that type of stuff when you're playing as a team. And it's great to see no penalty flag. Every time when I see a big play like that, I say, <laughs> oh, I keep looking around, Ryan. I don't know if you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, huh? oh there's going to be a flag. Maybe there's a flag. And maybe I'm a little... Well, I used to do that when I coached, too. I used to see the guy breaking the open, and the first thing I'd do is not watch him score. I used to look back to see who's going to do what, and I'd start screaming, No, no, don't do it, no, because the guy's gone, and if you're going to try to be a hero, don't do it. 
because the guy is in the end zone. So every time I see somebody in the open like that running down the sideline and making great plays and using their individual speed and effort to get the extra yard, I think the extra yard was demonstrated by the backs and the, and the receivers the other night. And I think that's what a winning effort is all about. And nitpicking is something I think we all do. Me, uh, right there too, but I think that's the way coaches are as far as you're never good enough. You never win by enough. You never, uh, you didn't, you missed this tackle rather than make a great block. But yeah, I think the secondary is blocking well. I think they're physical. Uh, I think that, uh, if I was to look at the receivers, I would say, uh, they're, and they're not dropping the balls. They dropped one ball the other, the other against Stanford State. Stevie Mitchell dropped the ball, but most of the time they're catching the balls. And uh, I, I would say, yeah, they're doing a good job. And and uh, I'm happy. I'm happy with that area, and I think that area is one of the best they have. Yeah, they got the ball in space a lot in this game, especially converting on third downs. And I think, you know, you really you have to commend, you know, T. Martin and the wide receivers. They did do a great job blocking downfield. I don't think this was a, that was a strength of the team. Before coach, and you you talk about Oregon doing a great job of doing that, um, but I, it seems like that's more of a priority now. It, it seems like you know they're doing a better job of blocking downfield. Well, it's something you have to have. Uh, you, you know, we use that Oregon situation when I met the kid down last year at the Laurie's Restaurant uh, bowl game uh, luncheon or dinner, whatever you want to call it. I was asked him, he says, hey, Coach, we're blockers before we are receivers. I like that comment. I'll never forget that comment. Because here's a team that throws the ball all over the place, and receiver tells me, Coach, we're blockers. We're not receivers. I think that proves a point that how important blocking is to a receiver and to a team. And you're all part of the scheme, and you're all part of what's being called. And if you don't get the ball, then automatically you become a blocker. You're somebody that's going to help your partner, your friend uh, score, or a teammate score. So I agree with you 100%. I think it's a very strong area. I think they're doing well, and they just got to continue. And here I go nitpicking every day to try to get better. Let's uh, go to Greg in the OC. He says, on years past, USC would uh, defer if they won the coin toss. Now they're choosing uh, the start of the game on offense. Is this because they have so many skilled players? And, you know, I think, Coach, I thought Arizona State won the toss Saturday night, and they decided to, but maybe not. I, mean, I don't. I don't exactly remember. But they, USC's got the ball all four games. They've got the ball first. Well, year. I don't know uh, who won the toying toss. Uh, I don't know that. But on the pre pre game show, I said, you know, if I was probably coaching at Arizona State and our defense didn't play well, I'd want to show them a, uh, some confidence on what our game plan is and how much. Uh, I know they can be good, is uh, we're going to kick off. We're going to try to keep the ball down deep in their area, which is something they don't do, USC. They don't kick the ball deep. But I have to commend the coverage team is absolutely fantastic. The way those guys cover the football normally, where the ball is going into the end zone one or two yards, these guys were used to get back to the 35, 40-yard line. Now almost every single time, the coverage team keeps it within the 30-yard line, which is absolutely fantastic because if the ball did go out of the end zone, the ball would be placed on the 25-yard anyway. So uh, uh, what was the question? I got carried <laughs> away with that. Oh, no, about um, in the past, USC would defer. Do you think that they're oh, yeah. taking the ball first because of the skilled players and stuff? Right. So uh, to show confidence in my defense, I would have kicked off and played field position with these guys and uh, said that, you know what, we're going to show you that 
you know, we're we're willing to play defense first against you guys, and I I can bet on you guys. We're going to get it done, and kick off to them and uh, hold them, and the whole morale of the team would would be positive and have them punt and go down and score and have a good series, which they would have done, except for a poor read there. Not a poor read, but a, a miss uh, assignment as far as understanding each other where they're supposed to be on a certain route call. But that'll be corrected too. So uh, I don't know. I think every game is different uh, what your opponent is. Yes, you do normally defer because you want the ball in the second half. You don't know what the score is or anything. But, you know, there's different times you do different things for mental uh, – mental lifts or mental reasons by a coach. Uh, Tark had a question, Coach. He says, does this team have an identity? Are we at the point in college football where the identity of any team is take what the defense gives you? Well, I don't know if we uh, or USC has a identity yet, except for being a big play offensive football team. They are a big play football team, which means on offense, you don't want USC to ever be on the field offensively. Oh, the game plan is going to be by most teams that play them. They're going to say whatever Stanford's game plan was, we got to do that. we got to keep USC's offense. We're not going to keep the score down with USC and their skilled players. The more times they touch the ball, the more points they're going to get. So I think that the, the identity is, is their offensive side of the football as far as their skilled players, as far as how good they are. Any time any of those receivers or running backs touch the ball, there's a potential touchdown. We all know that. So the point of it is, is how do we stop that? Well, you stop that by dominating with your offense, if you can, against the defense. So the defense is going to have quite a challenge because, you know, everybody's still guessing on how good their defense really is or how good was Arizona State's offense. And when you look at it all, I'm not trying to tell you Arizona State isn't a good football team, but they really aren't the same football team they were a year ago. I can see that with their offensive tackles. I can see that with their split receivers. Their split receivers weren't even even in the game. I don't think they called a good game. The tight end was wide open on one play, dropped the ball, and never came back to it again. Uh, their bubble screen that they threw to D.J. Foster and Richard, they blew it up, so they didn't go back to that in past years. They just go up and down the field with that. That's their outside play. So, you know, I don't know how really how good they were offensively and defensively. I know they have good linebackers, but because if the receivers did so well, that uh, big plays and all of a sudden they're out of it, 35 zip. So, uh, you know, so you got to take the goods with the bads. And the only identity I can see with USC right now is they're a big play offensive football team that you don't want to play against as far as with their skilled players. Uh, I agree with you 100% there, Coach. That's that's kind of the identity of this offense. Big plays, throwing haymakers, and connecting on a lot of them. Um, Nick from Cyprus wants to know, uh, what, in your opinion, was the difference between the ASU game and the Stanford game? Well, uh, the difference was, uh, I think it was a must situation for, well, it was a must situation for Stanford. How can it not be? In fact, some of the quotes I heard last week and so I said you got to be kidding me we didn't execute very well well why didn't you execute very well or they wanted it more than we wanted what do you mean they wanted it more than you wanted it don't talk to me about that stuff you got to want it more than anybody wants it but I think that uh, they out executed USC they out game plan USC 
They took advantages of what USC gave them. They didn't change. They believe in what their philosophy was, Stanford. They didn't change their philosophy. They're going to be who they are. Their identity is to beat you to death. They were down 21-10, didn't change a thing. And they came back and warmed down and was able to do that, but SC didn't adjust and do the things that were necessary. I think the, the difference in USC this week at Arizona State was on the defensive side of the football, they wanted to be, they had a lot of pressure put on them by the media and people talking about what happened. How come you didn't go after him defensively? Why didn't you stop Stanford? Why did you only have the ball 20 minutes? Time of possession, blah, 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 60 plays, all of that stuff. Which I think that uh, brought, I, I, sometimes that stuff's good. Because sometimes you're so close to the program that you don't see what's in front of you. And they needed to give their defense some help. Uh, you've heard me talk about that the entire year, that I don't think the defensive front is that physical or quick, so you've got to add something to it to help them. Not that the kids aren't trying. Hell, they're trying like hell. And by the way, let me just point out, I thought Greg Townsend had an outstanding game as far as the way he pursued. And a number one thing is the way that he contained. He was always with his shoulders square, going to the outside. Nobody ever got uh, to his outside, if they gave that same type of technique to the other side, they'd be in pretty good shape. I just want to throw that in there, but what a great job he did this week. And uh, Cameron Smith, what a great job he did. But they had fun more on defense. They showed blitz. They did blitz. They did stunt. They put pressure on Baravucci with through his timing off. If you watch him, he wasn't comfortable in the pocket at all. He was not comfortable back there. He never got into rhythm. Why? He never knew who was going to come from the backside or who was coming where, and he never could sit back there and just look and uh, look at the field and, and throw the ball. Now, he did get some passes thrown in there. Okay, guys are going to catch some passes. So, uh, But I wasn't happy with the rush defense. I really thought they rushed the ball too much against USC. Uh, they did get yards. Uh, Richard, I think, had 118 yards or some damn thing against USC, you know, they've got to shore up the rushing game. They've got to stop the rush. And uh, and also they've got to make sure that they don't let quarterbacks get into a rhythm. But I think that they played hard. I want to tell you that. I think they played hard on defense. They just got to get their techniques down, and I think they got to bring more off the edge. They got to bring more pressure off the edge. They got to be able to come off the edge. Every time they come off the edge, they have success. So uh, uh, Craven, when he comes off the edge, is in the backfield. The other side's got to be quicker. they got to come off the edge. And I like the four-man front. I'm going to be honest with you, they're better than the three-man front. I just like it. Gets you more pressure. It helps to run better. So we'll see what they do. Well, that's a good segue to it. We had a bunch of questions on the defense, Coach. And, uh, yeah, Arizona State did run, I think it was 4.5 yards per carry. It was higher. It was a lot higher than that early on. They had that 60-whatever yard run early in the game, the first play of the game. Uh, for the defense, but I'm going to read you these kind of comments and questions from a few people on the USC defense and kind of get your thoughts, coach. Uh, Eric and Georgia was first. He said, Hey, uh, first off, congratulate USC on a great first road win. Um, I like the fact that our running game, uh, isn't working. We have options to move the ball downfield, but on the defensive side, why are our opponents able to gain so much yardage on the run off tackle? Are we not doing something? Uh, or is our run defense just broken? Uh, so that was uh, Eric and Georgia. We had Denny from Bakersfield said, uh, the inspired effort by our defense was a refreshing and inspirational sight. However, there's still a glaring issue of the middle of the defense. It looks like teams can run up the middle and pass short over the middle at will. This will be a massive concern with teams like Utah, Oregon, 
UCLA. Are you seeing the same thing? And if so, what can we do? And then the last one, Steven San Diego. He said, good win, good win, Ryan. I'll take it. The defense still needs a lot of work. ASU gained a lot of yards. We got lucky they stubbed their toes so many times in the red zone. And he said, Coach, uh, what could the defense do to finally stop the run? Isn't it time we switch to the 4-3? Thanks again for the high-quality program, Ryan. It's top-notch. That's from Steven San Diego. So they're all kind of along the same lines, Coach. And, and you had mentioned the four-man front. Steve wants to know if USC should switch to that. But just kind of get your thoughts on USC and the run defense and what those guys said. Well, Ryan, um, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> as much as you want. Uh, That's why I put three questions in one so you can have a longer answer. That, you know. Okay, okay. I can't go <laughs> much longer than an answer. The shows, you, I keep going too long. We don't get to anybody else. <laughs> but um, what can they do? Well, you know, I, I think they got to evaluate their personnel and decide who plays well. I like I like Pallone better at the nose or, or someone else better than Nones than Antoine Woods. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great player, but I think they got a little bit more movement there in the middle of the line. I think you've got to have a little bit more action, a little bit more quickness. Um, I'm not sure if I would continue playing Port Augustine at the defensive end. When I watch him, for some reason, I don't see the explosion off the corner that we should have, not off the corner, but to the outside when he rushes the passer. He's not as fast off the ball as I thought he should be. I like guys exploding off the ball. Maybe he's young. Maybe he's learning. Uh, I think, I hate to tell you this, it might be better to put him inside and put Messina outside. He seems to have more explosion off the football. Now, I don't know who's faster, but he seems to run better, seems to get off the football better. Ruffin gets off better. Put him a, put him a yard outside the offensive tackle and tell the offensive tackle, hey, I'm going, I'm going to challenge you. Get out of your big fat ass's stance and try to find me. Get me. And beat the guy. Excuse my language, ladies, but that's the way I used to talk to my players sometimes. Maybe that's why the, all the parents didn't send their players to our school. But, <laughs> but you know, you got to challenge your guy to say, you know, I'm a yard outside that offensive tackle. I'm going to beat him outside where he cannot block me. He, I'm going to put pressure on the quarterback immediately. A kid that does that, this Hollis kid from UCLA, when you watch him play, you swear he's offside every play. He gets down there and he gets across the line of scrimmage and he's in your face immediately. And you have to step up. Quarterback knows he has to step up. And when you step up, who do you step up into? All your inside guys that are coming, that are big and tall, that can jump and knock down passes. So I think that's something I would look at there. Uh, I would make sure I had my best defensive lineman that can run and play. I think another kid that runs pretty good is this Noah Jefferson kid. He runs pretty good. I like Green. I think Green's raw. Rashad Green is raw. Now, what I mean by that, he's been so talented in high school, he's find he's got to find out how it is to play against guys that will hit you back. He didn't have any type of camp uh, as far as being injured and rehabbing his knee, but I think every week he gets a little bit better. He's got to not He's got to learn not to look around when he's playing. You can't look around when you're playing football. you got to go after it and you got to – Used your instincts. You can't think. He's got to play. But I, I, you know, remember, I remember, I don't coach these guys, but I, I see them, and this is what I'm gathering. They're all great kids, great talent. And if your son's one of these people I'm talking about, I'm doing it positively. Believe me, I am, because I want to see your kids be successful and be in the right place where you should be playing. And uh, Delvon Simmons had a pretty good game. In fact, his penetration 
down there on the goal line was responsible for 14 points. What I mean by that, 14, not 7, within about a minute period, uh, Chris Hawkins runs down the field because the exchange was fumbled, and he scores, and they kick off again, and the guy fumbles, and they get another, you know, that's 14 points. In the last minute, if that doesn't break your heart if you're Arizona State at home, then nothing should, and that's what your goal should be. So uh, I like the penetration I saw from Delbon. This might have been his best game, but, again, I don't grade him every play to be able to know. But, uh, you know, you got to dominate on your front. you got to get your players in the game. you got to get them in a position that they feel good, comfortably playing. And uh, I think, it, you know, that's what you got to do. Secondary-wise, they don't worry about them. I think they got good cover guys, and I think they're going to get better every week. Marshall's going to get better every week. Uh, when Kevon Seymour comes back, that's going to really help them. I don't know how far he's out of playing. I think the bye week will help him. He really had a great spring and a great fall camp. And, uh, you know, everything everything's coming along. But I'll tell you what, the team you better be ready for, and I'm not talking about Washington can't beat you. Anybody can beat you, but I don't want to. I don't want to go down an alley and find the Utah team, okay? <laughs> that team in the Coliseum is going to run the football with Booker. He might be the best running back. And I'm not saying we don't have great running backs in the Pac-12. But it's a junior college transfer kid that's big and strong and fast. This Travis Wilson, I don't know. He just keeps doing it. To beat, score 62 points on Oregon and beat Michigan, too. And Michigan's only lost one game. Hey, this team's going to be a tough team. This team believes in itself, and I think it's going to be a very tough team to beat. But you don't talk about that. You've got to talk about watching. Otherwise, you don't worry about Utah, but you already have your second loss. So this week, I don't like buys at all, but uh, you have to have a buy, and uh, I guess that's part of the scheduling deal that goes on. So uh, I think I went long enough on this question. Yeah. It's almost the entire show. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, but yeah, that was good. It was a lot of different points about the USC defense. We just have a couple more for you, Coach. John and Brea, he says, can you please just replay Coach Hyde's comments from last week? This team does not play physical USC football. Sark has turned into a Big 12 team. We need some coaches that can bring back punishing physicality combined with amazing athleticism. Thankfully, ASU self-destructed. Why can't USC run between the tackles? And what has happened to the fullbacks. I imagine SC can't stop the run because they don't see it in practice. Amazing athleticism alone won't beat Notre Dame, Utah, or UCLA. Thanks, John Abrea. So he's not real happy, Coach, with even a big win in Arizona State. He doesn't seem to care. Well, uh, he's old school. And what I mean by that, uh, at USC, at Alabama, at Ohio State, at UCLA, I can go on and on and on, Notre Dame. Uh, you get the best players in America. And he heard me say this last week, either on this show or he heard me on some show, say that when you get the best players, you don't have to trick anybody. What you do is you just line up and you do what you do best, which is the old eye, which Don Coriel helped develop with John McKay. And you line up and you have about four plays to the right, four plays to the left, and what you decide to do is not only run the play but beat somebody to death. And... uh Finally, after the second quarter, guys want to quit. They don't want to play anymore on the other team. And on defense, you do the same thing. You get the best players. You don't try to trick anybody. You just beat people. 
So you, the name of the game is you're never going to outcoach anybody, okay? Whoever thinks they're a great coach, okay, be a great recruiter first. Then that makes you a great coach. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot of these guys, hey, he's great with the X and O's. He's just great. All right, let him X and O with nobody that can play, okay? You've got to be able to get players. And a school like USC can get the players. It's demonstrated that. Then you got to put them in a position where they know and you teach them that, hey, you're just bigger and stronger and more physical, and that's what we're going to do here. And you do it over and over and over, and you do it so many times that the kids know, hey, this is what we're going to live and die with. And they love it. They love smash-mouth football. And then off of that, of course, comes the passing game and everything else. So that's what I believe in. I've always believed in that. I believe in controlling the line of scrimmage. I believe in being very physical. I believe in taking no prisoners. And uh, if we've got an opportunity to be at a school like USC or wherever you are, I get the best players, so why trick anybody? Just beat people. And then we got one last one for you, Coach, from Justin. He says, I've noticed a pattern uh, that this coaching staff, both at USC and at Washington, seem to lose some games that they shouldn't and then come back and show their dominance. I'm very encouraged by tonight's game. He was talking about Saturday night against Arizona State. But why does the fan base have to demand their jobs to motivate them? And are they not really driven to win a national championship? What are your thoughts as to what is going on inside this coaching staff from Justin? I have no idea. I'm not a part of the coaching staff. I don't sit in any coaching staff meetings. Uh, I, 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 You know, one of my theories are I don't talk much about coaches themselves. I don't know if I mentioned a coach's name today, but maybe once or twice. Uh, they've got to do what they believe in and believe in, and who they are is what they teach and how they teach. Um, I think it's uh, important that you coach on and who you are. I always always felt this, that a, that a team plays with the personality of its head football coach. Who is the head guy? Who is the guy that's in the foxhole with you? Who's the guy that says, okay, lock and load. Well, on three, we're all going to go and jump on the bob wire, okay? So the rest of our guys can run over our bodies and get over the fence. Who is that guy you're going to follow? And if you believe that guy's the guy with the three stripes on his arm and he's going to lead, you're going to go with him. And I've always believed that. I think a team plays to the personality of his coach. And I think that's well in yeah, you know, I think we've even seen during the Pete Carroll years, I don't think that's something to that Steve Sarkeesian. You see teams lose games that they shouldn't. I don't think it's about fan bases calling for coaches to be fired that's motivating. I think, you know, sometimes it's just a wake-up call, and they got a wake-up call against Stanford, and they bounce back. This, the USC is actually 9-0 and now since the start of the 2013 season following a loss. So I don't know if you remember, you know, from your coaching days, Coach, was that something? is it easier to kind of motivate kids? After a loss, I mean, we talked about you win a game and maybe you played ugly. There's some things you can, it's, it's good because you won and there's teachable moments from it. But I don't know if there's anything more teachable than trying to focus people after a loss. That seems to be able to get everyone's attention more than anything. Well, you know, you know how you feel after a loss. And it's a different feeling that, that you have after a win. I mean, after a loss, you can't wait to get home. You got your girlfriend waiting for you. You can't wait to watch the film. You can't wait to read the newspaper. You can't wait to go to class. Everybody tell you how good you were and all of the above. So, yeah, there's a, there's a heck of a lot uh, to, to gain from winning. 
There, there really is, and you find out sometimes you take winning for granted until you lose. And then you find out what it is like to walk around campus and, and people, what happened? What happened here? You go to your class. What happened? Finally, you don't want to go to class anymore. Because you see everybody, and you go to your fraternity, and everybody wants to know what's happened. You ruined our party. We were at a big party, and it wasn't very good because of you guys. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's you know, yeah. It, it, you got to learn to, you got to lose once in a while. I'm not that it's, I'm advocating losing, advocating not losing. But you forget sometimes what the great feeling is of being successful. No, you won. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. We got through all the questions, and uh, thanks for coming on. A little little uh, more subdued this week, I guess you could say, than last week. Last week was a little crazier, and now you're going into the bye week. Should be interesting to see how this team gets ready, and they got Washington coming up next Thursday. So uh, right back into the Pac-12 play, and it should be fun. Yeah, it's great. I hate buys, as I said, so enjoy the bye. Uh, and uh, I'll talk to you. We're, we're going to do a show next week, even with a bye, are we? Oh, of course. Yeah, we'll be back on Monday okay. and for sure. All right, then uh, have a great week, guys. Enjoy the bye, but enjoy college football and all whatever your team is or whatever sport you like. Enjoy it, okay? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. And everyone else, you're listening to the Parastyle Podcast. Follow the coach on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. And here's a quick message from Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.